Good morning. I bid you a warm welcome on this bracing morning. My name is Randy Jefferson. I'm a member of First UU and also its Religious Services Committee. I'm standing in this morning for our minister, Reverend Brian Mason. Please know that regardless of your personal circumstance, situation, or identification, our doors, our minds, and our hearts are open to you. We are currently worshiping both in person and online. I encourage you to also subscribe to the newsletter if you don't get that. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and all those other various ways that we can communicate with one another. I do have two announcements today. The first one is that Sally Decker would appreciate assistance taking down Christmas decorations after service today. It shouldn't take too long, especially with the help of all those of you who are able to stay. So please, let's assist Sally after services. The other announcement I wanted to make, it's in the bulletin, but I just want to emphasize that after, I think anyway, more than a year and a half, next Sunday, church school for elementary grades K through 6 will begin again in person. For a call to worship today, I share these words from Sylvia Howell. On this first Sunday of the new year, like Janice, we gather with part of us looking backward and part of us looking forward. We gather on the edge of the new year, saddened by our losses cherishing our joys, aware of our failures, mindful of days gone by. We gather on the cusp of this new year, eager to begin anew, hopeful for what lies ahead, promising new changes, anticipating tomorrows and tomorrows. We invite you to join our celebration of life, knowing that life includes good and bad, endings and beginnings. And we continue with New Year chalice-lighting thoughts from Lisa Doga. For the new year, just two days old, Beginning today, always beginning, we light our chalice, symbol of faith, perseverance, and hope, in astonishing thanksgiving and irrepressible praise. For, beginning that's, for beginnings that emerge out of endings, appear amid continuity, become visible, in hindsight, we light our chalice, symbol of faith, perseverance, 
and hope in astonishing thanksgiving and irrepressible praise for all the times and all the ways we have begun anew together. We light our chalice, symbol of faith, perseverance, and hope in astonishing thanksgiving and irrepressible praise. For our gathering hymn this morning, we'll sing number 350, The Ceaseless Flow of Endless Time. Please rise as you're able. may be seated. <clears throat> Please join me in an attitude of prayer. Great spirit of life, as a new year begins, we turn inward to reflect about the state of our lives. What lessons have we learned in the past year? And which new ones now call us forward? To whom do we still owe an apology or expression of thanks? And with whom must we draw fresh boundaries? As we pause from our regular rhythms of rush, 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 we open ourselves to new perspectives and possibilities. We give thanks for these moments and for the wisdom they afford us. May they help bring us together in the sacred dynamics of life so that we, as individuals 
and as members of this community might reach our full potential. As we step across this threshold, let this new year be a year of greater awe and gratitude, of deeper kindness and acceptance, and more courageous acts of conviction for a kinder, more equitable, and sustainable world is not only possible, she is on her way. And in the quietness of this sacred community, we can even hear her breathing. Amen. Jess asked me a couple days ago if I needed any assistance with a message for the ages. And I said, no, thank you. I've written a little poem. And to a certain extent, I guess I think I'm going to try to do a little channeling of that UU Theodore Geisel, or as most of us know him, Dr. Zeus. So I want to pass on my earth wishes for 2022. A new year is here. Oh, what will it bring for dear Mother Earth? That's that most nurturing thing. I've given some thought to what I wish for, and I bet if you noodle, you'll think of much more. I'd stop foolish digging in Alberta's tar sands and start giving honor to all Indians' lands. Take better care of our rich, precious soil and halt wanton fracking for dirty old oil. Clean up our water above and below ground, for it is the substance to which all life is bound. Grow more native grasses and deep-rooted trees. Get rid of floating plastic clogging our seas. Curtail cutting and clearing virgin forest. We should be feathering, not fouling our nest. How about doing something else wise, protecting pollinators, bees, birds, and butterflies? Convert some green lawn to flowers wild. Don't worry if your neighbors are riled. Build and buy more electric cars. Cleaner air means better views of distant stars. Switch to efficient induction ranges. We gotta make some lifestyle changes. Is it time to purchase panels solar? It's one way to help white bear named Polar. Create more habitat for beavers, nature's toothy overachievers. 
Eat more greens and sprouts and beets. Cut back on any kinds of meats. Get Carrie Wilson's recipe for yummy hamburgers. The planet-friendly answer to beefy hamburgers. Write a letter. Join a protest. Stop holding your climate action card so close to your vest. The list keeps growing, as you can see. We can do it, you and me. But let's not wait for 23. There's just too much we have to do, so don't delay. Let's start anew and help Mother Earth throughout 22. An offering is a sacrament of our free church. It is supported, this free church is supported by the generosity of all who join with us. Now, we'll not pass this plate this morning as we haven't for a year and a half or more, but we have placed a basket at the rear of the sanctuary to receive your gifts in grateful appreciation of our shared hopes and values. You can also make online donations through our church website, and we appreciate your generosity. Please rise for the singing of our doxology. be seated. I'd like to share a meditation with you this morning that was written by Robert Walsh. So please put yourself in whatever frame of mind that lets you think on these words. Close your eyes if you wish. Walsh writes, 
I knew a man who had printed on his stationery this proverb, nothing is settled, everything matters. It established a certain ambiance for reading his letters, as if to say, what you are about to read is to be taken seriously, but is not final. I remember him in his proverbs sometimes, especially when it seems impossible to change the world or myself in any significant way. Times like the beginning of New Year's. Sorry, Jim, I say, it's not true that nothing is settled. In the past year, choices have been made. Losses have been suffered. There has been growth and decay. There have been commitments and betrayals. None of that can be undone. A year ago, no one knew whether during this year one person would become pregnant, another would get cancer, another would take a new job, another would have an accident. But now, It is settled. One day this year, I was present just when someone needed me. Another day, I was busy doing something else when I was needed. One day, I said something to a friend that injured our relationship. Another day, I said something that enabled a person to see life in a new way. The best and the worst of those days is now written. All my tears of joy or sorrow cannot erase it. If I stay with my meditation long enough, the reply comes. Robbie, says Jim, you have misunderstood the proverb. It is true that you cannot escape the consequences of your actions or the chances of the world. But what is not settled is how the story turns out. What is not settled is what the meaning of your life will be. The meaning of a life is not contained within one act or one day, or one year. As long as you are alive, the story of your life is still being told, and the meaning is still open. As long as there is life in the world, the story of the world is still being told. What is done is done, but nothing is settled. And if nothing is settled, then everything matters. Every choice, every act in the new year matters. Every word, every deed is making the meaning of your life and telling the story of the world. Everything matters in the year coming. And more importantly, 
Everything matters today. We're going to take a little shift in the service now and move from maybe a New Year focus to one that's more somatic. And we'll begin by singing our meditation hymn, number 1031 in the Teal Hymnal, filled with loving kindness. And you may remain seated for this. 1031. Pick selections from two separate readings this morning to share with you. The first is from Walt Whitman's Leaves of Grass, from his section, I Sing the Body Electric. And I'm going to read the first 
stands, few stanzas of the poem and then shift all the way to the end of the poem. And the poet writes, I sing the body electric. The armies of those I love engirth me and I engirth them. They will not let me off till I go with them, respond to them, and discorrupt them, and charge them full with the charge of the soul. Was it doubted that those who corrupt their own bodies conceal themselves? And if those who defile the living are as bad as those who defile the dead, and if the body does not do fully as much as the soul, and if the body were not the soul, what is the soul? And Whitman goes on to talk at great length in praise of the body. And then he concludes with these six lines. The circling rivers, the breath, the breathing in and out, the beauty of the waist and thence of the hips and thence downward toward the knees, the thin red jellies within you or within me, the bones, the marrow in the bones, the exquisite realization of health. Oh, I say these are not the parts and poems of the body only, but of the soul. Oh, I say now, these are the soul. And then the second reading, which is a much more current piece, I actually read it in a December 6th of this past year, not even a month ago, an issue from The New Yorker, surprise, surprise. The article is entitled Living the Life Electric, written by Jerome Groupman. And Groupman wrote, in our daily lives, seeing lightning in the sky or plugging appliances into wall sockets, we tend to neglect the fact, as Timothy Jorgensen writes in his book, Spark, quote, life is nothing if not electrical, end quote. Jorgensen provides a wide-ranging tour of electricity's role in biology and medicine to show us that every experience we have of ourselves, from our senses of sight, smell, and sound, to our movements and thoughts, depends on electrical impulses. Groupman goes on to write, when healthy, our nerves conduct electricity in a tightly controlled way 
in order to transmit information to all parts of the body. In this sense, illness can sometimes be synonymous with uncontrolled electricity. Here ends the readings. We begin our message with the backstory. I has, has been true on most days for the previous 39 years. My pre-work regimen on May 10th, 2014, began by getting in touch with my physical self <clears throat> during a planned 60-minute run through the streets of Wausau. This day was different, however. I stopped just short of an hour to walk. As I wrote in my exercise calendar that day, I, quote, did not have it in me. Three days later, when I'd next planned to run, I made an hour, but again did not get home before needing to walk. The note that day, Heart not in it. Done? Question mark. Little did I know. There was a gap of almost three months before I logged another running time entry in the calendar. It was five minutes. For several weeks after my May recognition that something was not right, I played the male denial game. 
edema in my ankles, the unmistakable sign of fluid retention, finally brought me into my internist's office. A skilled, wise practitioner, he diagnosed the problem. A heart arrhythmia, rapid, regular atrial contractions, a flutter, lovely term. I was referred to an electrophysiologist, the cardiologist specializing in the treatment of arrhythmias. As the heart specialist explained to me, my problem was an electrical one. The circuitry within my heart was not correctly passing the electrical signals necessary for normal rhythm. The proposed solution was an ablation, literally creating a small scar within the heart by burning the spot causing the problem. I'd received an unarguable message with application to all mortals. A lifetime of living right is insufficient to ward off body malfunctions. Right living is actually part of the mortal plan. One of the necessary pre-ablation tests involved wearing a continuous tracing electrocardiogram device for 48 hours. I did it over a weekend. Uh, the Monday morning after turning it in, I was at work when called by the cardiology clinic. Mr. Jefferson, the pleasant nurse voice began, how are you feeling? Antennas up. Pretty good, I answer, but the fact that you're calling me makes me think that maybe I shouldn't be. Well, she replied, during your Holter test, you had several episodes where your heart stopped beating for 15 to 20 seconds, and there was one period where your heart rate was 18 bits, beats per minute. Ever see that in anyone, I inquire? Not in someone who isn't in the hospital, she answered. Reassured that I was alive, really functioning normally, and knowing I was scheduled for a heart catheterization the next day, she did not press the issue. Now, the cath showed clean coronary arteries, so the ablation could proceed. It turned out I am a complex guy. The flutter was really two flutters. Unrelated periods of tachycardia, the rapid heart rate, were underlying the flutters, and they further obviated ablating. Now, figuring I was going to have a straightforward flutter fix, I was ill-prepared for the news that the flutter would have to wait as a pacemaker was needed to address my lazy, pausing heart. Pacemaker me? Mr. Almost 40 years of daily vigorous aerobic exercise? That darn mortal plan again. Ten days later, 
my chess symmetry was forever altered. I was now the proud owner of an oval outline of my subcutaneous bionic part that was connected to the inner chamber of my heart, supplying me with electrical impulses 70 times a minute. Pacemaker implementation provided a bonus as well. My new supplemental electric connection to the outside world meant cardioversion was possible. As if the procedure was not marvel enough, as part of the testing during implementation, a large jolt of electricity got used to shock my flutter away. Five days later, I took that first five-minute run after three months running hiatus. Gradually increasing my time, three and a half months later, I reached that magic one-hour mark again. Long comeback. It was late November, but I answered my question from mid-May. I was not done. Sometimes you just have to keep the faith. Other than that reminder that my omnipresent oval provided, thoughts of being pacemaker rarely entered my consciousness. But annual checks at the pacemaker clinic provided a different experience entirely. It's there that once a year the device is checked through the placement of a magnet over it, pacing the device, that is, changing the heart rate to both rapid, nearly tachycardic levels, and slowing it to the point where only the heart's natural rhythm, which I still had, very pokey, was occurring. Now, these rhythm changes can be felt not only in the heart, but seemingly throughout the body, This is a weird feeling. I describe it as metaphysical. And while I spend the rest of the year almost oblivious to the fact that a mechanical device is telling my heart when to beat, during this visit, it is clear to me that I am not in charge of the pace of my heart. For someone who's centered on being in control of his life, this is an unsettling situation. Is anything more central to our being than our heart? If I allowed myself to dwell in the land of dark thoughts, among the darkest for me would be that somehow some nefarious entity discovered a way to remotely do what that device clinic magnet does and take control of my heart. My routine prior to leaving the device clinic is to always confirm that the settings have been returned to where they were when I arrived at the clinic. Thanks. See you next year. Now, a pacemaker adjunct to the body electric is battery-powered. I think everybody knows what that means. Sooner or later, even the Energizer buddy wears out. 
Technology has not yet reached the point where recharging is possible. For pacemakers, battery replacement, that's what they call it, we need to replace your battery. Battery replacement means device replacement. And like all batteries, the amount of usage determines the lifespan. And as my pacemaker fires more than 90% of the time, I knew it would be shorter lived than many. So we fast forward to this past July, my annual visit to my electrophysiologist. Part of the device monitoring is estimating battery life. And during that visit, 18 months is the estimate. So we start a replacement discussion. His recommendation is to implant a more advanced device that adds a defibrillator capability to the pacemaker. As I've had a few episodes of rapid chaotic rhythms characteristic of atrial fibrillation that I'd never noticed, but my heart monitor did. If a new device is going in anyway, this will add some human lifespan insurance. And while I quibble with them a bit over the need, as there may be a greater indication in 18 months, I am agree I'm agreeable to the plan. On the 30th of the following month, a deja vu moment. My running note that day. Weird. No breath. Lightheaded. I stop running at 30 minutes and walk home. I try running several times over the next week. I write, no oomph, one day. No go, another. The cardiology clinic calls that week, and they say they've been notified that my battery needs urgent replacement. So much for 18 months. Ha <laughs> ha life. Expect the unexpected. I suspect the device issue is impacting my running. So I do some sleuthing with the device clinic, and I learned that the first day I was unable to run, my device went into a battery-saving mode and would not allow my heart rate to increase enough to allow me to run. One mystery solved, and no surprise to me, my device and I have come to understand each other quite well over the previous seven years. Five days after I solve one puzzle, I have a new, larger lump in my chest from a deeply buried implantable cardiac defibrillator, ICD. And I'm presented with another puzzle. In the post-op anesthesia haze, I vaguely recall hearing something about a flutter, but it does not sink in. During one phase of the ICD implementation, your heart is put into atrial fibrillation and shot back into normal rhythm. After coming out of AFib, my heart went into flutter. Electricity can be unpredictable. That's why I always call an electrician for anything more involved than light bulb changing. 
Not knowing I'm in flutter again, I try my gradual return to running. It's again a no-go. It's my note. I become a walker. I'm okay if I stay flat, but it's very hard to walk up hills. To ascend, it's either switchbacks or slow to a crawl. I see runners. Envy. Oh, envy. Oh, boy, do I envy them. Thoughts of never doing it again creep into my psyche. Why isn't walking enough? Because I'm not ready for it. Someday, but not yet. Truth be told, running has long ago ceased to be a joyful activity for me. But I want to be able to do it. It's part of how I define myself. It's who I am. I've thrown a life preserver at my first post-op cardiology visit. It's worth with a nurse practitioner. I've never seen her before. She runs. She understands. She also knows what did not stick with me immediately post-op. I went into flutter, and I'm still in flutter, and flutter won't let me run. She's confident my running days are not over. They have a plan. The defibrillator needs another shock test, which it's hope will also jolt the flutter and return me to normal rhythm. I'm put on a three-week regimen in preparation. What seems like a minor mistake of half-dosing for two days of a precautionary blood thinner I'm taking turns out to be a big deal. And the proposed fix is pushed back five weeks. I'm starting to feel a bit like Job, frustrated and discouraged I continue to be a flatlander walker. I put in more wait time before my pre-op visit, where I ask my NP savior what the odds are of shock success. 50-50, she says. I was hoping for more like 90-10. I see a half-empty glass. I start bargaining in my head. Maybe I can give up running if I can at least walk hills. I get a hold of myself, remembering I'm at a point in life where the three A's are paramount. Aging, adjusting, and accepting. But the serenity prayer is not yet fully rooted. I have accepted aging and adjusting, but I am still working on my wisdom regarding accepting, accepting. December 1 finally arrives. Cardioversion day, my heart's day of reckoning. I'm prepared for bad news. Coming out of anesthesia this time, I try to keep the fog at bay so I can clearly hear the verdict. Am I drug-addled 
Or did the good doctor say, the flutter is gone? A bedside device clinic pacing test confirms no flutter. Hallelujah! The heaviness of two and a half months of being someone else is lifted. Thank you, great power of the universe, charging station for the body electric. Two days later, I run for five very slow minutes, 13 the next week, 30 the week following that. Yesterday, one month after synchronicity on several levels has been restored to my body and soul, everything holds together for 60 minutes. The pace is slow, but it does not matter. There is a flow. It's an hour run, and I accept it. So if you see Randy on the roads, and he is running, know that his circuitry is working. He is well. He is peaceful and at ease, and he is whole. Please join me in our closing hymn, number one. May nothing evil cross this door. Please rise as you're able.
May we carry the warmth and love of this morning's gathering with us in our hearts as we depart today to begin the work of making our wishes for 2022 a reality. Farewell. Please be seated for the postlude. Just a quick announcement, the uh, refugee family that we were going to be working with is already here and settled in an apartment. Over the holidays, um, they had a two-day notice that they were going to be getting families here in Wausau, and so the people at St. Anne's that we're co-sponsoring with, they just jumped in and got apartment for them, got it furnished, food on the table. Um, so things are, all of a sudden, we're moving very rapidly. We have a family of mother and dad and two boys. One is eight, the other is 13. They're going to start getting them registered in school on Monday. So it's amazing how everything has gone so fast. And there's another family, which is a, a much larger family also, but I don't have the details on that one. So if you are involved in this, um, please get your background checks in because we can't work with them until those background checks are done. I've been sending out emails, so maybe a lot of you know this, but um, I had suggested you could drop it off at St. Anne's on Monday, but I found out they're actually closed on Monday. So if you have it today, I'll take it. I have several already. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, if you have it, we'll, and we'll get those on Tuesday, so it should take about two days before you'll actually be able to work with the family. Thank you. <laughs> 